You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Welcome back to the Mile High Report Radio Podcast. Hey, Adam, has Vance Joseph been fired yet? Not as far as I know. Oh, so I guess we're going to have to check back tomorrow, which would be Wednesday. Yeah, just keep just keep checking the, the tea leaves, you know, just uh, see which way the wind is blowing. Or perhaps we can just wait until the Broncos are embarrassed uh, on Sunday again. But as we were just talking about before we started recording, there runs a risk of the longer you wait, the more likely it is that he could, as Bronco as Broncos country gasps. I, was, I did the gasp. Did you hear it? I guess I did. Okay, as they get that he would continue to be the coach for the rest of the season, and then somehow retain his job that they saw enough from the one or two games they win on the remaining 11 and say, maybe we should give him a third chance. Cause oh. you know, the third time's the charm. I can't. Okay. Could you, could you imagine a scenario where that's even possible? Let's say the Broncos go here. I'm going to be generous. Let's say they go five and 11 again. That's two years in a row that, that they go five and 11. And I, I I'm, I'm being honest. I think that's generous at this point. Is there any scenario in your mind, and I'll be honest, where you could see the Broncos keeping Vance Joseph and that being the right decision? Yes, because they did it last season. But uh, no, 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 no. But and it being the right decision, it it doesn't matter if it's right. Oh, I see. So this, this isn't live about in right a or wrong. Based world anymore, Adam. Oh, logic is dead. Spock died several years ago, and Logic died with him. It wasn't several and years. irony. Irony's dead. Spock is dead. I mean... And Vance Joseph is still the head coach of the Denver Broncos. You know, they he got on the plane in New York. I wonder if they were going to fire him, but he snuck onto the plane, and he was like, I'm here. And so they just decided not to. You think that's a possibility? It makes as much sense as anything else going on right now. This team is just it. I mean, again, I, I got sort of blown up on Twitter a little bit for using the word turmoil. If, if you don't think a team that's got a defensive unit that's having uh, player-only meetings. Uh, and one of the cornerbacks doesn't show up. And one of the cornerbacks just doesn't show. That, if you that would be Bradley Roby. Yeah, for those. Brad, who was He was sick. He was sick. I, I think he carried over what he did against the Jets and just didn't show up. Yeah, he just he didn't he was never he wasn't in New York, so he didn't hear about the team meeting. Is the problem nobody nobody let him know because he wasn't actually with the team. He he plopped it out there and expected it to perform. No, he didn't. He didn't plop it out there, and that's the problem. If he at least plopped it out there, it might have performed. We you know he we got didn't, plopped on. He did twice. We we didn't really pound on Roby. Uh, I guess it wasn't necessary, but after the game, we almost just didn't even talk about that. But it it was, uh, I think what happened to Bradley Roby was 
the perfect indicator of what has happened to this franchise. The way that he went out there with the expectations of being not necessarily the Aqib Talib replacement, but the guy who was going to fill his his role, so to speak. And he he just it, it all, he just crapped all over himself. And, and that's being nice. And I, I'm you know I'm I don't want to hit the click the little e box, um, which we did a really good job of. I had somebody on Twitter say, "There's no way you're getting through this podcast without having to click the explicit box," and we did it. We did it in the last one. I'm proud of us for that because I didn't think we'd make it. But he he has been the perfect example of what is wrong with this football team. Elevated expectations and zero performance. And that's exactly what has happened all year. And after five games, I think we know what the identity of this team is. And it's not pretty. Well, as Andrew Mason Ryan Edwards and Steve Atwater talked about on their Monday show on Orange and Blue 760, first and 10 at 10. They asked the question, are the Broncos just not very good? And I think that is an, an obvious yes. Uh, it, it, duh. The answer is duh. Of course they're not. If they were good, they wouldn't have lost to the Jets. They wouldn't have lost to the Ravens. Before we go any further, Mm-hmm. I want to thank all the fans around the world who listen to this podcast and listen to two idiots try to talk about the Broncos. And we don't do it well most of the time. I think we do okay. We do all right. But it just, it it really does mean a lot to to get the feedback that we get, even the negative feedback. I mean, I've, I've been in newspapers long enough that the negative feedback is just as it, it rings just as true as the positive feedback. Look, if all you ever do is tell somebody how good they are, then they're never going to get any better, which is probably why we should stop hearing about great practices. Oh, snap. <laughs> see what I did there? I see what you did there. You see, you were doing a thing, which was really sweet, actually, to talk to the fans, which I uh, I echo that 100%, and then I, I made it a slam on Vance Joseph. It was... It was it was like my favorite part of the day so far. And I I just want to take this time and we usually do it at the end of the podcast, but I want to I want to take it now that please rate and review whatever you hear, however you feel, if you like it, if you don't, and subscribe on because we're on multiple platforms now and we're working to get on iHeartRadio and hopefully we can get on Amazon here shortly. That would that would be awesome, but I just I, I want to pause right now to just to thank everyone around the world who listens to this podcast and wants to tune in and hear what Adam and I say about the Broncos and the current state, even if they don't agree with it. And a lot of people didn't agree with what we said about John Elway, what you said on the podcast, and then my column. But I think people appreciated the fact that we asked the question. Ask the question, and we're willing to uh, to give an opinion. And, and I'll, I'll echo that a little bit. You know, we we recently had the ro- the big rollout with SB Nation and getting onto the new platforms and uh, with with their podcast network, and and that that's been a, a pretty pretty cool experience for us to to see that the success that that we've had, however small it may be, has translated into some, some bigger things. And you know, I'd like to think that it's going to continue to to keep going, and and that's all based on the people who tune in, who download, who listen, 
who take the time to interact with us. And, and it is really one of the one of the best things uh, to do is to to a little back and forth with some of some of the listeners on Twitter uh, or read read your reviews. If you've got you know criticisms, we we love to hear those as well. And so it, it has really been uh, such a great experience. Really, like Ian has said. For two idiots from Greeley who grew up talking about the Broncos to be able to do it this way uh, and, and continue to do something we love to do and include so many other people around the world, it's a, it's it's pretty humbling and kind of a cool thing to be able to do that. And that we can all connect based on the Broncos. I mean, I know it's a cliche, and as soon as I say it, my, my wife is going to roll her eyes. But Broncos country isn't just a phrase. It really is a way of life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that being said, let's get back to ripping on the Broncos. Um, <laughs> sorry. Do they stand any chance on Sunday against the Rams at No, home? no. Yeah. Okay. Cliched any given Sunday, I suppose. Right. Is that, that's kind of the sentiment that I think you see across Broncos country. You have the positive fans, the, the people with their orange and blue tinted glasses on who will say any given Sunday, anybody can win. And, I think that that's fine and, and fair and sure there's a, a percentage uh, that they could beat the Rams, but I, I'm sure that that percentage is a lot smaller than people would hope. My own opinion is that this is a, a team with literally zero identity and, and I give them very a very small chance to win this game so small that uh, I'm not I don't even know that it's worth discussing the size of, of the the chance that they have. So no, I, unfortunately, no. I would say that it's the chances of this happening is behind slim and none. And, and they both left town. Slim left town, none left town. There's nobody left. Nobody, nobody. So yeah, no, I'm with you. And in fact, you know, I think that for me, the, the way that they win this game is, is they, they figure out what their identity actually is and then they, and then they, they grasp onto it. And, and it seems as if the identity on offense is simple. You've got two stud rookie running backs who are really, um, I, I mean, every time they carry the ball, they look like they can go for 8 to 10 to 12 yards anytime they touch the football. And if you look at you know yards per carry, even against the Jets, Royce Freeman – uh, five rushes for for thirty. I think it was six rushes for thirty-one yards. That's over five yards a carry. Uh, and Philip Lindsay, twelve rushes again, and ha- had six to over sixty yards. I mean, it's 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 pretty obvious what their offensive identity needs to be. They just don't seem to want that to be the offensive identity. And then I don't I don't know where the defense goes to find an identity at this point, because they are they are. They just seem like they don't care. Maybe that's what the players-only meeting was about that we've heard about uh, today and, and the, you know, the last few hours. But I just don't see them caring about anything, which if you're a head football coach and you can't convince your defense to care about football, should you be I, – I, it just all goes back to that. And, and so if, if Vance Joseph is still the head coach, no, they don't have a chance. When you look at the statistics – for these two teams and not just the win loss record, the Broncos currently sit at two and three. The Rams are five and oh. The Rams are first in overall offense, seventh in rushing, second in passing, and third in points. 
when you look at their defense. They're ninth in overall defense, tied for 18th in rushing, tied for 10th in passing, and 6th in points. The Broncos on offense are 12th in overall offense, 3rd in rushing, 18th in passing, and 27th in points. Defensively, they're 26th in overall defense, 30th in rushing, 16th in passing, and tied for 23rd in points. So as you said, the only way they have a shot at winning this football game is by running the football. Because the Broncos are third in the league in rushing. The Rams are tied for 18th in stopping it. You know, it's interesting when you say that because, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you rattle off the stats and I and you know, stats are one of those things where they can they can be used to support your, you know, your arguments or they can be used to uh, you know, shed some light on things. You know, it's one of the, the saying goes, you know, stats are great um stats can be uh be great uh in or like a light post right and a light post can be used to you know a drunk can use a light post to hold themselves up or they can use the light post to see things more clearly and i think in this case it's a light post that helps us see things more clearly i i I know i butchered the heck out of that but the whole point is the stat that you just read to me that sheds light on so much about this team and so much that is wrong with this team is the rushing stats. The fact that they are third in rushing as as a as an offensive unit. Yet they've they do not rush the football nearly as much as they should. It just speaks volumes. It's just that is just a huge statement. When you look at how many times they pass the ball versus how many times they run the ball. And and I understand, I know Vance Joseph talked about um and we saw a little bit of this on Slack. There was some back and forth between some of the guys Uh, on staff about this idea that when they see nine guys in the box, they're going to go ahead and throw the ball every time. Uh, I don't disagree with that if you're capable of throwing the football. Excuse me. But they they aren't. They're not winning the one-on-ones. And so why not continue to just run the football? Why are they only rushing the ball 20 times a game when when they could clearly be running it 35 times a game and just getting some sort of grip on on it, I just don't. I don't get it. When when you see when you hear those stats, and you hear that they are the number three team in rushing on offense, and they they very rarely run the football. It feels like, or they're just not running it as much as maybe we think they should. There's your identity. There's your identity crisis right there. Well, there's two more for you from the Jets game. The Broncos rushed the ball 17 times. They passed it 51. And there's no doubt the score of the game played an impact in that. Oh, yeah. But he abandons the run. Bill Musgrave, that is, abandons the run. Look at how many times he runs the ball on first down and how predictable his offense is. Everyone in the NFL knows he's going to run it on first down because that's what he does. And then he'll throw it on second and third down. And you mentioned the light that shines on what the Broncos do, on their identity. And this is another instance where you can't make this stuff up. So just like Vance Joseph, each week does football 101. 
Bill Musgrave has said repeatedly he wants to be a smash mouth power football team. Really? Is that going to start anytime soon? Do as I say, not as I do. And that, that brings up what my key to the game is, because as I said, the Broncos have no shot at this game. It literally is behind slim and none. So what needs to happen? Switch coaching staffs. John Elway and the Broncos need to convince Wade Phillips to return to the Denver sideline. Heck, switch coaching staffs because that's the only way this game is fair. Just for the game? I don't think Just I can hand I don't think I can handle that tease because Sean McVay is he, he's clearly uh he he's got some, he's got something that, you know, co- in coaching, he's got whatever it is in coaching. He's got a connection with his players. He's got a he's got schemes for days. He understands the the psyche of of, of today's players. I, I just think that he is he is exactly what the Broncos needed to hire when they hired Vance Joseph. John Elway didn't even sniff Sean McVay. Didn't even sniff him. You want another indictment on John Elway? That's a pretty big one. I just, I, just <laughs> I don't even think he interviewed him. I don't even think he was on the radar for the Broncos. Didn't even know who he was, probably. I, you know, I understand the concept or the idea that youth is sometimes a, uh, you know, one of those things that you steer away from because you know inexperience can be a problem, and and perhaps that was one of the one of the issues with uh, with Josh McDaniels when he was the head coach. Back in the early early tens, you know, back two thousand ten. But he to cut you off, is that why they didn't even sniff Sean McVay? You know, I I don't know if it's the reason, if it's the only reason, but I think it probably plays a role. I, I think you know your your past sort of your your past. You can do two things with your past. You can learn from it, or you can continue to to make the same mistakes. And, and this might be a situation where maybe they did learn a little bit from their past, but it misinformed them. Uh, and it wasn't as much about Josh McDaniel's youth as it was about his arrogance and his being such a dummy because um, <laughs> he was clearly an idiot. He drafted Tim Tebow. I, I think that in this case, you, you have to be able to move on from your past if it's if it's a situation like that. And John Elway came in after that. And let's let's not forget what John Elway did for the Denver Broncos. He came in after the Josh McDaniels era and turned things around, brought in John Fox, settled the franchise, brought in a franchise quarterback who was a risk at the time. Let's let's not forget Peyton Manning. Nobody even knew if he was going to be able to throw a football. Went out and brought in Peyton Manning, and and the Peyton Manning era was one of the best eras in Broncos history. That's John Elway. But now you have to be able to move on from that. And how much time is he given? How many mistakes is he allowed to make? At what point does the franchise say, John, thank you so much for your service. You are a, a Bronco for life. We we love and admire you, but it is time for someone else to make some of these decisions for the franchise. What point does at what point does the bridge break? You know what I'm saying? And I, I have to feel like it's gotta be getting really close. Because it's been nothing but backwards movement since they won the Super Bowl. And this team 
is not that team. And I, and I know I said it in the last podcast. This Denver Broncos team is not the Denver Broncos team of 2015. I don't care how many players are on this team that won that Super Bowl. It is not that team. And it's time for us as fans to just move on. Let's not be Bears fans. Let's not turn into, oh, remember the 2015 Broncos like Bears fans do with the 85 Bears. We don't want to be that. And it starts with the franchise actually not turning into the Bears. That's kind of important. I think the biggest key is to admit that this is a rebuild, that it's not a reload. This is not a rebuild, or a reload, rather. This is a rebuild. This is a 100% rebuild. This is not a good football team. There are definitely pieces in place, and a lot of it is because of that that 2018 draft class. And you just you cannot say enough That's huge. about that class. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it seems like basically every member of that draft class is contributing and there's basically only only two and Dave running back Dave Williams was just picked up by Jacksonville off of the Broncos practice squad but aside from Sam Jones and Isaac Yadam basically everyone is contributing who was drafted and then you add in Philip Lindsay but Garrett Bowles needs to either be moved to right tackle or moved to defense yeah, and they need to find a left tackle. I I don't know what the hell you do at quarterback because I I should have listened to my gut. I should have listened to my gut when they initially were rumored to be going after Case Keenum. I hated it. I hate it now. I I put on my orange and blue goggles to try to give Keenum the benefit of the doubt, the hype. I, the things I said in training camp about how he commands the huddle and how that was different than Trevor Simeon and how it's going to make a difference for this offense. He's a trash quarterback. He's not going to get better. And the thing is, is that they're not going to be able to get rid of him next, next season because of the dead money. So I guess you're going to have a good backup depending on what they do either in the draft or free agency but this is a rebuild. The first step, and everyone has heard this, the first step is to admit you have a problem. And the problem is John Elway and this organization can't admit it's a rebuild. It's okay to say it. You'll probably feel better when you say it. But stop deluding yourselves into thinking that this is a reload. Because we're now on season three of this apparent reload. Just admit that it's a rebuild and it'll be quicker because you're just delaying the inevitable. It's like the the scene from Monty Python where he has no arms, no legs. John Elway and the Broncos just want to put Band-Aids on it. They don't want to give him any fake limbs they don't want to do any of that they just just want to put band-aids on it because it's it's just a flesh wound (laughs) you know it's funny you talk about it being a reload it feels like a reload during like the revolutionary war with a musket right you got to take out the powder and dump it down into the thing you gotta 
you got to put the, the the ball in and you got to put it in the wad and you got to tamp it down and all that you know I, I actually think it goes powder wad ball that's probably the right direction but none of that matters because it takes for flipping ever to get that done and that is the type of reload they're in and then you only get to fire one shot and meanwhile the rams and the chiefs have this glorious i don't know like star wars flying ship that comes in and just lights up the sky and does whatever what does whatever you want and here's elway trying to shoot it down with a musket gun i, I think the rams are flying around in a death star right now to be quite honest they they've got uh they, they, that's a that's a team look it, i we're gonna we're gonna do our regular podcast where we talk about players to watch and we talk give score prediction and, and all that stuff but th- this is this is literally the this is ewoks throwing spears at the Death Star. And I know that it worked out in Return of the Jedi and the Ewoks were able to to help the the you know help the rebels win down on the planet or whatever and blah blah blah. But they didn't blow up the Death Star. It took other, you know, ships with lasers to blow up the Death Star and not Ewoks. The the Broncos are Ewoks with spears right now. And we did just go full Star Wars on that, which that would make that would make Amy pretty proud, I think. Absolutely, it'll make my wife happy. So there you go, a little Star Wars action there. But this is, this game is not going to be enjoyable to watch. It's almost going to be worth watching it just to see how bad it actually gets. I'm going to focus on the positive. Oh, Pollyanna's in the house. At least Wade Phillips is going to be in the building. Hey, (laughs) I I don't think that's And we're going to actually see a real defense. That's true. We're going to see what the Broncos' defense could look like had John Elway and the Broncos not been cheap and actually wanted to pay Wade Phillips. You know, it's interesting. I think it wasn't it more just like a few hundred thousand dollars more or something like that that they could have paid. I mean, they wanted to keep Joe Woods. They were worried that they were going to lose Joe Woods. Yeah, I remember. I remember. At this point. Would anyone take Joe Woods? I mean, he is the uh, he he's he's no nobody would take him nobody. So at least we're going to see what a defense looks like that schemes right, that prepares right, that has a game plan, that plays to its strengths. I wonder if uh, Vance Joseph will have like a notepad out and he'll take notes. You know, <laughs> he'll be like, oh oh, I should I should run the ball. Oh, I should have a better defensive coordinator. Oh, we should. I just am curious to see if maybe he'll try and take notes. I totally just thought of Henry Winkler from. I did Waterbury. too. <laughs> yeah, so he's sitting over there on the sidelines, drawing up plans. And <laughs> uh, water. I, they need a Bobby Boucher. Is that's what they need? They need a Bobby Boucher. They need a Luke Skywalker. They need a Yoda. They need. <laughs> they need so many things that don't actually exist. All right. Um, let's go ahead and keep keep running here. Who are let's let's do players to watch. I actually haven't even come up with my two yet because I'm not. I don't know if it's even worth watching anybody. But I, maybe I'll let you start here and I'll come up with something. Who are your players to watch? Well, I'm gonna go two on defense. Oh, a twofer. Because neither of them showed up on Sunday, and one of them actually hasn't shown up in three weeks, and that's Vaughn Miller. I say, I know where this is going. And then Bradley Roby. He didn't show up on Sunday, didn't show up to the, the team, the players-only meeting for the defense 
Let's see if he shows up on Sunday. I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> not, not super excited about that one. Offensively, I'm going to go positive again. Oh, I like it. But not, not in a positive way. It's kind of an oxymoron. I, yeah, and I, noticed, I noticed that. I want to see how many holding penalties Garrett holds oh. can have thrown on him. Well, you know, if I if I was Wade Phillips, I would put Aaron Donald on Garrett Bowles the entire game. I would move him to end and just eat, young man. Eat. I, I don't like that because he's injured right now. He's got a little. He's got a little ankle tweak. Tweaked his ankle. Little tweak of the ankle. It's a little little hurt. Did he ball his eyes out and need a cart? Probably. He probably did. I I don't know. I I didn't see it. He was um, probably holding his ankle. Oh my goodness! I cannot believe this is where we're going. It's it's sad. It really is sad. It's week six. It's week six. This is where we are in week six. It's terrible. It was at and least Matt Joseph is still the head coach. I mean, somebody should check Twitter. That may have changed in the last you know twenty five minutes or whatever. Um, all right, players to watch. You know, I'll give you a, I'll give you a, um, a a defensive player to watch that maybe will be a little more positive. I who knows, and and I'm gonna give you Justin Simmons. I think Justin Simmons could have a big role in this just because the the Rams are gonna stretch the field and he's gonna be asked to do a lot of things, and I'm just curious to see if he can do it because he was supposed to be the guy who stepped in this year. It was this was supposed to be his big year? And I don't know if maybe I just don't know how to read what safeties do very well, but I just haven't seen him have any impact on the game in in any way, really. And so I'd like to see if he uh, can can maybe step up and, and do some things on defense that allow the Broncos to stay in the game. I don't know that he'll be able to, but but perhaps. At least, you know, keep it close. Keep it within 20 to 25 points. That would be nice. I have to give a shout out to my mom because my mom has been watching the Broncos since she was a little girl growing up in Sterling with her dad. And she is one of the most intelligent football people I've ever been around. She will not think that Justin Simmons will be able to do it. She doesn't get it. She doesn't get why he's even on the field. Ooh, that's a bit of an indictment, if you will. Um, well, I'm so, still going to watch him. That's a shout out to my mom and a <laughs> shout out to the old man. Yeah, well, Bronco fans from from way back when they're always uh, they're always helpful, uh, except for in that one where your mom essentially threw you shot down my player to watch. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I'll survive. Unlike Vance Joseph this season, I will survive. He he's going to lose his job. I'm I'm predicting it now. Vance Joseph Vance Joseph will get fired. That is has nothing to do with my players to watch, but I'm predicting it now. You heard it here, probably for the seventh time. Um, on offense. Is it? Is it? In, is there anything worth watching on this offense other than Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, at all? Cortland Sutton and Cortland Sutton. So, so that's going to be my Sean Hamilton. My, my 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 quad my quad players to watch. You got two on defense. I'm going to get four on offense. The rookies. I want to see the rookies perform. I want to see if they can perform in a big situation like this. This is a big game. This is a big game, and for rookies. This is where you get to kind of see what their mental makeup is. And I am actually very excited to see what Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay do in the run game. And can 
Deshaun Hamilton and Cortland Sutton have an impact in the passing game. Now, it's unfair for Hamilton and Sutton because they have to rely on Case Keenum to throw them the football, and I'm worried he won't remember that he doesn't play for the Rams anymore. Or he's not Tim Tebow or Trevor Simeon. Yeah, something like that. But I think that this would be a fun game to just kind of see what's the mental makeup of these rookie players that have had positive impacts on the team so far. And who knows, right? Who knows where this could go with with them? And so the so I'm gonna I have four players to watch on offense. Take that to your two defensive players. I win. I want to add a third defensive player. Oh, and, I and see how actually, it is. Are we just gonna keep good, adding players now? <laughs> it's actually a good one. I'm gonna go with Josie Jewell. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I I want to I want him to get the action at middle linebacker because at this point I don't think Brandon Marshall will be back. And I don't think would be able to tell the difference at this point anyway. So give the time to Josie Jewell. I think he has the potential to be the leader on this defense that they haven't had at middle linebacker since Danny Trevathan. And before that, maybe Wesley Woodyard. Oh yeah. That's going pretty far back too. So I, I think, I think Josie Jewell has the potential to be that leader on defense at middle linebacker that the Broncos haven't had, but they need. So I'm, I, I'm, that's actually one area that I, that I'm encouraged to watch on defense at least. Yeah, that, I think that would be a fun one for sure, for sure. What about bold predictions? This this is a game for bold predictions. Ooh, I like I it. I think we should give bold predictions. Hmm. I think that my bold prediction will be that the Broncos um, give the football away four times. I think they have four turnovers in this game. Three interceptions and a fumble, probably all from Case Keenum. In fact, that'll be my bold prediction. Case Keenum will be responsible for all of the Broncos' turnovers, three interceptions and a fumble. I I hate doing bold predictions and being negative, but I just don't see any positive outcomes here. And I'm sure somebody will jump on Twitter and tell me that someone should take my keyboard and I should lose my job, but that's just the way I see it. My bold prediction is the Broncos' offense doesn't get more than 10 points. They will have single digits. Ooh, like it's a Brandon McManus day. Like maybe go pick up Brandon McManus. He'll score nine points. He'll kick a couple 50-yarders. He'll kick three field goals. They won't get double digits. They will be between zero and nine. You're on a, a, a kicker kick just like I was last year all of a sudden. Last season I did, had a lot of Brandon McManus kick uh, kicking predictions. So, uh. And I will make an, another bold prediction. Ooh. The Rams will get at least 40. Ooh. See, I don't have that. That's not in my score prediction. I wrote my score down before we started. It wasn't 40. Because I... Because <laughs> you think it's going to be 50. No, I don't. I don't actually think it's going to be 50. I'll tell you I'll 60. tell you why. No, no, not that high. So oh, here's... Okay. Let's get into our score predictions then because I think this that sort of actually plays right into it. Um, I am predicting 32 to 17 Rams. And here's why I think the Broncos score as many points as they do and the Rams score so few. And that's, you heard me right. I think the Broncos get 17 because the Rams pull their defense off the field in like the third quarter and the Broncos end up scoring 17 fourth quarter points. I think the Rams score 32. I think they're at 32 halfway through the third quarter. And it's like around 32 to nothing. And so they just stop trying. And you're not going to see Todd Gurley for more than three quarters. You're not going to see 
Cooper Cup. You may not see Cooper Cup at all with his concussion protocol stuff. I think Jared Goff doesn't make it out of the third quarter because they sit him down because they don't want him to get injured. I think the Rams are going to look at this game like a little mini-buy. And by the time they get into the second half, just like the Broncos used to do with Terrell Davis, they're going to sit down their starters, and the Broncos will be able to score a few points. 32-17, Rams. In normal circumstances, I would agree with you. I think Wade Phillips has been in Sean McVay's ear that he wants to embarrass the Broncos. 49-9. to You don't think... I, I that's a great prediction, and I, I know exactly where you're going. I understand where you're going with that and where you're coming from. But don't you think it's just as embarrassing to beat them so badly in the first three quarters that you don't even put anybody out there in the fourth quarter? That you just say, eh, we got gotcha. you. With an older coach, I could see it. But with Sean McVay, he's totally in that he wants he's to play young. college football. He's young. He want he wants to see if he can get some added some added points from the voters. Yeah, he wants to move up in the power rankings. He wants to turn on NFL Network and see that his team went from ranked number one to ranked number one. I'm not sure where they don't have anywhere else to go. They're clearly the best team in the NFL right now. So that's interesting. I I, I think we just have we just have opposite ends of the of the the beatdown. Right, your beatdown yeah. is it's we want to embarrass down. them. My beatdown is we don't need to injure our players. We're already up by enough. It's fine. So I'll be curious. I'll be curious to see which one of us is correct. It's probably going to be you on this one. <laughs> uh, since the Bronco game is going to be rough to watch, is there any other games we should be looking forward to? The Eagles and the Giants is always, always a fun game to watch because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, crazy stuff seemingly always happens when those two teams meet. I mean, there was the the Herman Edwards fumble recovery for a touchdown when they were when the, all the Giants needed to do was take a knee, just kneel on it. So anything and everything usually happens when these two teams meet. So obviously that, and it's a Thursday night game. So it could be another potentially good Thursday night game. Yeah. A couple rivalry games in the AFC West. The Chargers go on the road to Cleveland. Uh, the Seahawks and the Raiders are former AFC West rivalry game. Yeah, those look fun. You know what? And then I'm looking the at fantasy. Patriots. Yeah, that's true. The Chiefs and the Patriots will be it'll be interesting to see what the Chiefs can do against the Patriots in Foxborough. I'm, I'm, well, remember last year on the, the opening game of the season, yeah, they I'm, went into Foxborough and absolutely laid wood to the Patriots. Well, and I'm wondering if, if the Patriots are going to use that as motivation, if, if uh, Bill Belichick's got that you know written up on a chalkboard, or if, uh, or if that just doesn't matter to them anymore. They're the Patriots and they don't care kind of situation. I, I'm going to make a bold prediction for that game. Oh, that'll be fun. I think that will be the highest scoring game ever played in the NFL. Really? I think both teams are going to score at least 40 points. What is the highest scoring game in the history of the NFL? I don't know, but I think this one will have the chance to match it or beat it. Okay, I think that's interesting. So I got a couple of games to watch for fantasy football fans out there because I think that um, there's going to be a lot of points scored, and I think that's one of them, obviously. If you've got anybody on the Chiefs or the Patriots, play them because there's no defense on the field there. But a couple of the other games on, on Sunday – the Buccaneers and the Falcons in a dome 
in Atlanta. Matt Ryan is scoring points left and right, and the the Buccaneers actually have an opportunity to go into play a bad Falcons defense and put up some big numbers, kind of like they put up earlier in the season uh, when they, when Fitz Magic was going on, and now it's Jameis Winston's turn. I also think there's big points to be had in the Steelers Bengals game. So if you've got any Steelers or Bengals, throw them out there, put them on the put them in your put them in your starting lineup. I know I'm starting uh, starting Ben Roethlisberger in one league because. That's just who I have as my quarterback. And I think I'm going to have to start Andy Dalton in another league. So that'll be interesting. And I'm looking for a lot of points there. And, you know, then I, th- I think that at that point, the other games that you could really look at for, for some interesting stuff, you got Cowboys and Jaguars. The Cowboys and the Jaguars uh, are, are an opportunity for some fantasy points, depending on who you've got running for you with the Jaguars. But then the other game that I'm looking at is the Monday night game. 49ers Packers doesn't that feel like a late 90s sort of mid to late 90s sort of affair remember remember the old Brett Favor uh, Steve Storm and Mormon Young games all nostalgia yeah well it's all we have left at this point right well how about the pillow fight between the Bills and the Texans well that'll be fun you know that might be a fun one for fantasy for fantasy fans as well. If you've got Deshaun Watson going, uh, maybe you've got Will Fuller or, or DeAndre Hopkins, maybe or LaShawn McCoy. I think LaShawn McCoy could eat. He could get some some real fantasy points for the Bills as, as they're running back. You never know. Just saying. What about Josh Allen? I think Josh Allen is, is going to be really good at handing the ball off to LaShawn McCoy or throwing him, well, maybe not throwing him screen passes. Is there a way he could just like very gently throw him the screen passes because I don't want him doing too much more than that. Look, Josh Allen roasted the Minnesota Vikings, but it hasn't been very good since then. And that brings up the Vikings, who play another rookie quarterback and Josh Rosen against the Cardinals on Sunday. Start the Vikings defense. Oh, oh, I have the Vikings defense. There you go. Well, you should start them because they're going to be they're going to they're going to be very happy. They're going to be almost as happy as happy as the Rams defense. That's very happy. That's very happy. Oh. Hey, has Vance Joseph been fired yet? No, not yet. I just checked Twitter, and I would assume someone would have tweeted it out. Perno probably would have had a, a cool video up by now if they had, so probably not. Check back with like me on Monday. So I guess we're on to the Rams? I, I guess. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or... I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.